I love being a Christian. I love serving Jesus Christ. Don't you? It's so amazing to be called by him. What a privilege, what a gift. We never want to take that for granted. Just get used to the idea of who we are in Christ. Just love with that love of of the Savior and of God. And I think over the next couple of weeks, you're really going to see that in the sermons. Uh, this week's title of the sermon is Bad News for Good People. We're going to take a couple of weeks. I I should never say anything. I never, ever learn, do I? I always say things. I think last week I said, we'll have one more week in Romans 6, and then we'll be on to 7. Well, best laid plans. You know, we're going to, Lord willing, we'll finish up Romans 6 next week. Um, But we're going to spend a a couple of weeks on one verse. So uh, pray for us as we go through this. Uh, I do want to start with our Old Testament reading. Please turn with me to 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 16. I just love the history books, the historical books of the Old Testament. In the rule and reign of all the kings, most of the kings were pretty wicked. And it's just a pattern of today, isn't it? After a while, things get corrupt. Things are always going to the left. Things are always going the wrong way. There's always that fight and temptation uh, to, to sin and to, to follow the world. There's nothing new, nothing new on the sun. That's what the kings of Israel did. They were supposed to stand out. They were supposed to be a light unto the nations for God and show the rest of the world who God is, just like the church is supposed to do, but far too often they would go astray. And they had some really wicked kings uh, right up there. I know Rehoboam is mentioned because he was really uh, kind of the catalyst of the wicked kings, but Ahab was probably right one or two in that category. So First Kings uh, chapter 16, beginning in verse 29. In the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, Ahab the son of Omri, began to reign over Israel. And Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel in Samaria for 22 years. And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord, more than all who were before him. And as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nabath, he took for his wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbal, the king of the Sidonians, And he went and he served Baal, and he worshipped him. Imagine that. He erected an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which, which he built in Samaria. And Ahab made an Asherah. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger God than all the kings of Israel who were before him. Oh, and the Old Testament reading there. Now I'll turn over to Romans chapter 6. One verse this morning. I'm not going to read it all because we know the context. Plain and simple. The wages of sin is death. 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do thank you and praise you so much. Thank you for your precious word. And I pray that you would be with us this morning, that you would be with me to bring forth your word with precision, with power, the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord God, that we would be attentive. Help us to be attentive this morning to your word. I pray that your spirit would open up our eyes to see, our ears to hear, our hearts to receive, Lord God that you would illuminate our hearts by your Holy Spirit, 
to know thy word and to love thy word, and then to live faithfully according to thy word. So, so Lord, help us. Let this be a rich time as we come before thy throne of grace and sit at the feet of our teacher, of our master, of our Savior, and of our Lord, even Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen and amen. All right, praise God and amen. What a fitting end to such an amazing section of Scripture in Romans chapter 6. We have seen in this chapter, especially, how Christ has set us free. We are free from the reign and power of sin. We are no longer slaves to sin. Do you believe that? Do you know that in your heart of hearts? Because far too far too often we act like we're still under that power of sin, giving in to its desires, going forth, chasing after the things we ought not to do, that we're no longer, no longer under bondage to. And we love the contrast that he brings out here, that we once served sin. We were, met, we were slaves of sin, and now we have a new master, even Christ and his righteousness. So we're no longer slaves to sin. We serve Christ. Just like other scripture, I, I just love those um, the, the very tight contrasts that are made in, in relationship to our old self and our new self. You know, at one time we were on the broad road to destruction. Now we're on the narrow path that leads to life. Aren't you glad you're on the, the narrow path now that leads to life in that way? We were once against him. We were against Jesus Christ in our lives, and now we are for him. Amen. We were once lost. Now we're found. We were once dead. Now we're alive. On and on it goes. We were once slaves, and now we are free. Verse 23, just an amazing passage. It's familiar to most of us, but it sums up the entire section in such a unique way, just very succinct and beautiful, isn't it? And I love, I think Romans, we love when we talk to people about the gospel. What, what, what's kind of our favorite passage or the favorite passage when we talk about the gospel of Christ? John, yeah, it's amazing. It's beautiful. But this is, this has it all. This, John 3, 16, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, whoever, that's nice. It's beautiful. It's it, obviously, it's biblical. It's true. But it doesn't deal directly with the sin in that way. 23 has everything. The wages of sin is death. There's our sin. There's our need. But the free gift, there it is. That's salvation, unearned, unmerited gift of salvation is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the gospel right there. If you have one verse and you're talking to somebody about Christ, one verse that you could speak to before they take your life or one chance you have, it's got to be 623 because it has it all. And then you just explain what it means. It sums up the gospel, sums up this section. It's plain, it's powerful, and very succinct. So today, again, bad news for good people. We're going to focus in on the first half of this verse, then next week, the, the second half of the verse. So what is it? The wages of sin is death. And we're going to stop right there. Wages, sin, death. You know what kind of sermon this is going to be right off the bat. At least I hope you do. And I hope the Lord uses it to convict you where you need to be convicted, encourage you where you need to be encouraged. First thing I want you to notice, he says the wages of sin is death. It's not that sin just leads to death. It's just kind of going there. It, it's telling us, as he uses that word, when he says it is death, 
It tells us it doesn't just lead to death, but it shows that we're already dead. We're already dead in our sins and trespasses apart from... You're not just heading to death. You're already dead in trespasses and sins. And I love the, the metaphor that's used, the wages. The wages of sin is death. It's vivid and it's plain. Everybody knows how it works, right? Everybody will know how that works. When you do your job, you do your work, you receive a payment commiserate with the time, the effort that you put in or what's agreed to, right? We all know what wages are. And he's saying here that your sin, that work has earned you something. It's earned you death. It's earned you the wrath of God. Of course, what would you expect to be paid? Why do you th- what, what do you think? that your rejection of God, that your rebellion against God, that your refusal to bow the knee to Christ is going to get you in the end? What do you, what do you think you're going to earn? What do you think you're storing up in that way? We, we already read in Romans 2.5 where we're told this, but because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. That's what you're earning. That's what you're storing up. You have to understand this, that the people that we talk to most every day, and even some professing Christians, are under the misguided impression that they may live as they please, as if they won't have to give an account to God. See, he says the wages of sin is death. You're going to give an account to God, but people don't even live like that. As if God, they live as, as if God doesn't even matter in their lives, that, that, that he doesn't even exist at all. And we're living at such a time just like that. But truly true. That, that, that restraint is gone for the most, that we're just living as if there, as there, as if there is no God. And the thing is this, they get upset when you tell them the truth, the truth that they need to hear, the need that they have for Christ, and they act surprised. Now, why would God pay me with wrath and death? What, you know, what have I done in that way? We want to ask the question, why would you be shocked? that God would condemn you, that God would judge you. He's given you exactly what your sin deserves, exactly what you have earned apart from Jesus Christ. You're not shocked when you receive your paycheck, are you? You know, this is what I've worked for. This is what I expect. I put my time in. I get my paycheck. That's right. This is what I've earned. This is what I deserve. Don't complain about that. Unless, of course, they make a mistake, and then you are shocked. Oh, they only gave me this much. What's going on? They, you know, and then we start to flip out in that way. But otherwise, we understand that very easily. He's making that point. That's the wage that we earn. People do not want to acknowledge that they even sin, let alone the fact that they are sinners. You understand that? I don't like that much. And they might use it in a flippant way, but when you seriously talk about their state before a holy and righteous God. They don't want to hear that. The fact is, the fact is that right now, every taboo, every prohibition has been shattered in our society in which we live in. Sin is is reigning completely. Everything's been shattered. Everything is accepted as good, right, and proper. And everything that is celebrated, those things that the Bible calls sin, do you understand we're living in that time right now? That's exactly where we're fi- we find ourselves in a very unique time, I think, in the history of the world. We really, we really do. We're, we are so far gone of, of, of away from God, it's almost unimaginable. It's almost 
unparalleled in history. I can think back maybe to the flood, right before the time of the flood. You know, people were still giving and eating and drinking, giving in marriage and so on and so forth. So things were still going along. But there was such wickedness in the world that the Lord had to destroy it by flood. We're there. Maybe, maybe um, with the Roman Empire at some point, with some of the, 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 the acts and, and the way they lived out, but, but we're living in a time, as we've seen in Romans, that we're under the judgment of God where the, where the restraint has been pulled, pulled away, and we just see an overall acceptance in our society of things we just not ought to accept. And I mean down the rabbit hole, down the drain, circling the drain kind of things that we're accepting as a society at home, right? So we live in a society where we just simply celebrate and accept where two men or two women can say that they're married together. That we're, like we, that's normal, that's okay now, that's good, and by and large it's accepted. Where young children, young people, older people can transition, they can, they can mutilate themselves, they can take, take medicines to to hormones to change, try to change themselves in that way. And, and, we're, and we're saying that it's okay. Like the, that's, that's how far away we are from God. And it's almost becoming the, the norm. And, and people are saying, yeah, well, we still have everything we have and the things that we do. And it's, it's not. Do you, do you see the sin, the depth of sin, how far away that we've gotten from the Lord? This is, this is how it must have been before the flood. The closest thing to sin and sinners are those who refuse to accept, embrace, and infer, affirm these things. See how the switch is made? That's Isaiah 5.20, calling evil good and good evil. So, so, there are, so, so the ones who stand up against us or speak out against these kinds of things, they're the haters, they're the wicked ones, they're the mean ones, they're the heartless ones. They're the ones who need to be dealt with. And beloved, if you're in Jesus Christ and if you're holding firm to the gospel without compromise, that means you. Be ready. Be ready in your heart to accept that and understand that and know the consequences that are coming. That's a warning. This is even a little bit of an aside to this message. But get this in your heart. So they keep on living as they feel, apart from God, all the while failing to acknowledge God. And this is something else about the intensity of sin in the times that we're living in. I'm telling you right now, the wages of sin is death. Today, when people sin, it's like people who love their job. Who, which one of you people love your job? Who, who loves your job? Or who loved your job? Yeah, you loved your job. So you know what it means to go to work every day. You look forward to going to work and doing the best that you can. And you're very good at your job because you love it so much. And you work hard every day, not just for the money, but because you love it. And you're very proud of your job because of the satisfaction that it brings because of the work that you're doing. Right? People are living like that for their sin today. Do you understand that? We're living in a day where people are indulging in all kinds of sin, outwardly and openly, knowing that the wages of sin is death. We're living in a society right now where all kinds of sexual immorality, and it just, it just goes across the spectrum, 
pick a topic, pick a category, pick anything you want. Sexual morality without shame, without any shame whatsoever, without guilt, without remorse. In fact, it's being celebrated, I just said, as I just said. The things that were done in secret, the things that people tried to get away with and they didn't want other people to know because they knew it was wrong on an intuitive level and they knew there was shame attached to that. They're not doing that anymore. They're out in the open, right? They're before everybody. They're loud and they're proud and we're celebrating all those kinds of, that kind of wickedness. You know, what, what used to be whispered in the back rooms and now shouted from the rooftop. That's, that's a sign. That's, the wages of sin is death. And they're living as if God doesn't exist. So many people, so many people right now today take great delight. You know, people take great delight in ruining people's reputation and ruining people's lives just because they disagree with them. Right? That's exactly what living. They will gossip. They will slander. They will make up lies. They will defame you. Welcome to cancel culture. That's where we find ourselves today. There was a time where there was integrity. You made sure you had the facts right. You didn't do these kinds of things. But it's open and it's without shame. The wages of sin is death. We live in a culture of death. Do you understand, Christian, that you are living in a culture of death, not life right now? It's a unique time. It's a dark time. But it's also a time of opportunity for us to be light in this. So don't get too, too, too discouraged by this. But just know and understand, we live in a culture of death, where death reigns. We're moving backward and not forward when it comes to health care, to caring for others. People believe that they're actually doing good, that they're actually being kind, that they're actually being loving when they kill that baby in the womb. They believe that they're kind and loving when they euthanize that senior citizen. And if you go to Canada right now, when you euthanize anyone who just doesn't feel like living at this point, and they boast and they brag and they glory in their shame, and then you say, why the wages of sin are death? Yes, the wages of sin is death. We do a great job. We do a great job. They love their job. They're out there. They're loud and they're proud and they're not ashamed. We do a great job of blaspheming God, even within the church today. Even within the church, so many, so many churches have just given themselves over to sin into the world, into the worldly ways, just like they did in Israel. Remember in Judges, when there was no king in Israel, everybody did what was right. <laughs> everybody tried to seek God. Everybody did what was right in their own eyes. It seems right to me. It feels good to me. This is what I want to do. This is my desire, and I'm going to do it. Just like the high places with Rehoboam, with Ahab, with the wicked kings of Israel, they would leave God, leave his statutes, leave his standards, leave his moral morality, and they would go off, and they would construct idols. They'd kind of still have God too, but they had the Asher, they had the high places, they had the child sacrifice, just like today. As a matter of fact, I want you to turn with me to Jude because this is inside the church. It's not just out there. It's in here as well. The wages of sin is death. We do a great job at blaspheming. Again, no shame. No shame. 
You got these pastors that are practicing homosexual saying that God loves that and he, he approves of that. You have the trans up there preaching and teaching. You have all kinds of the, the faith healers lying through their teeth and saying, God wants you to do this, to do that. These are blasphemers and they're proud of it and they're loud and they're proud. They're doing a great job. They're earning that wage, in other words. Jude, look at verse four. <clears throat> For certain people have crept in unnoticed. This is into the church who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and denying our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. Then go over to verse 12. These are hidden reefs in your love feast. That's another word. They're in your church. They're there. They're hidden reefs in your love feast as they feast with you without fear. They're not afraid. Shepherds. <clears throat> feeding themselves, waterless clouds swept along by winds, fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead, uprooted, wild waves of the sea coast, casting foam, <coughs> excuse me, of their own shame, wandering stars for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. See that? Back to, back to Roman. think that an absolutely, completely, perfectly holy, righteous, just, and loving God is going to do? What do you think he's going to do? See, the wages, yeah, they're earning. The wages of sin is death. They've earned the wrath and the justice of God. Now, I could just hear the objections, okay? Let's hear the, let's go to the objections. Well, what about all the good that's done? Come on, Pastor Joe. What about, there's, <clears throat> there's still good people. People still do good things. And I'm not like those people you were talking about. I'm pretty sincere. I'm pretty okay. I try my best. I'm not out there living that kind, that kind of life. I'm doing my best, the best that I can. We've been through this. We'll plow a little bit of old ground. Isaiah 64, 6 and 7 tells us this. We have all become like one who's unclean. And all of our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, our, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. There's no one who calls upon your name, not truly, not sincerely, who rouses himself to take hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us and have made us melt in the hand of our iniquities. And there it is. There's the sin that begets sin that begets sin. Don't think that the good things that you do kind of outweigh, um, counterbalance the sin that takes place. And here's why. Understand this. Understand why Isaiah 64 says that. Because what's the requirement that God has for people? What's his righteous standard? That's it. Perfection. Keeping that law of God perfectly. There's only one who has done that, Jesus Christ. That's next week. Perfect obedience in thought. All right? Not just in what you do, but even how you get there through the thought, through the motivation. Right? So you're not just even looking good for people or trying hard. It has to be within the heart, within the motivation, and within your action. And the standard is the law of God. Do you understand that? That's the standard. That's why Christ had to come to keep that for us because we can't do that. That's what Isaiah say. That's what we see throughout Scripture. Now listen, it's not about trying to do more good than bad. It's not that good cancels out the bad. Good doesn't get you points with God, okay? It doesn't do that. Good is what's expected of you, man. That's what you got to do. That's the standard. 
right? It doesn't help you. That's just what you ought to be doing, which we can't do. It doesn't cancel out sin. So, so many people are under this delusion, and they say, you know, I know I do bad things, but I do good things too. Listen, the wages of sin is death. It, that's not, it doesn't work like that. Okay, what if you have a husband? A husband who's an adulterer. He's an adulterer, okay? He's sleeping with another woman, not his wife, maybe with his wife, but with another woman as well. But he's also a great provider. He's a great provider. That family has everything they need in way of provision. They have a beautiful house. They have all the amenities. They have anything that you could want. They go on vacation three times a year. That's amazing. It doesn't change the fact. It doesn't change the fact, and it doesn't cancel the sin of adultery, right? It doesn't matter how hard you work, how good you do. It doesn't say, well, that takes care of the adultery. They're going to cancel. It doesn't work like that. Adultery is still adultery. It's a sin that needs to be dealt with. David Rader, some of you who are a little bit older might know him from the uh, BTK, Bind, Torture, Kill. He was a serial killer in Kansas. I, I know about him because we were in Kansas at the time, and he was down in Wichita, that area down there. But if you see his face, he looks like a normal guy. He was a fine husband for many, many years. He was a good dad. He was a respected father. He was a respected member in the community, was on the uh, local government and so forth. David Rader was. He was even the president of his church council. But that didn't cancel out the fact that he killed 10 women. BTK, same. We can go on. Now you're going to say, but I've never done anything like that. (laughs) That's, you know, know, that's, that's... Worse than me. Well, I hope so. (laughs) Is anybody here? Right? We're not talking about degree. That's degree of sin. And that's another sermon. That's another message. It's not just a kind or degree of sin. Listen, even one sin is enough to damn you to hell. That's it. That's why it says the wages of sin is death. Genesis 2, 16 and 17. Here's the prohibition. The Lord God commanded man, saying, you can eat of any tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. You don't eat. You can't eat from that. For in the day that you shall eat of it, you shall surely die. Then go over to Genesis 3, 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that she delighted to her eyes, delight to her eyes, the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took the fruit and ate it. She also gave it to her husband who was with her, and he ate. And then on that day, what happened? How many sins did they commit? What did they do? They took that apple, they ate that apple. That was the sin. How many sins does it take you to damn you to hell? I mean, we're not even talking about our nature after Adam, but just one. All right? Just remember that. Now, consider whom you've sinned against. This is why the wages of sin is death. Consider whom you have sinned, who you are sinning against. Consider that. So, if I threaten somebody here, Mike, well, he'll beat me up. Uh, Janine. <laughs> if I threaten Janine, I can get in some trouble for that. But if I threaten, threaten the President of the United States, that's another level, isn't it? Why? Because of the office, because of the worth. That's different. Consider whom you've sinned against. We have an infinitely, infinitely holy, infinitely righteous, infinitely just God who requires, who demands perfection to obedience to the law and requires punishment for disobedience. He cannot look on sin and accept it. 
and do nothing about it. He is infinitely holy. He is infinitely righteous. And he's God of love. So, oh, he's a God, but doesn't God love? But, but he's a God. Listen, the love of God has to do with his character and with his nature. Today, people have this idea, well, God is love, so God's going to love me no matter what I do. And, God, and I'm serious. That's how people think, and even professing Christians. Well, God is love, so God's just going to forgive everything. God, Listen, God loves his nature. God loves his character. God loves truth. God loves justice. God loves righteousness. God loves holiness infinitely, and he hates sin infinitely. Do you understand that? So when people try to pull that on you, well, God is love, so I could do... God loves in a way that's consistent with his character and with his nature. Always say that to people, because they don't know what love is. They think, today, they, oh, I love you, so I'm not going to tell you how sinful you are. I'm loving you, I'm not going to tell you that you're on your way. We love people straight to hell when we do that. Do you understand? So that's what it means. He's infinitely holy, infinite worth. And you know this illustration, this isn't unique with me. I wish it was because I like it a lot, but I'm not that clever. (laughs) Think about God's worth and think about a car being scratched and scraped up, okay? You and a friend, you're in a junkyard, walking through, and you pull your keys out. How many of you did that when you were young? No, don't don't tell. This isn't true confessions here. I don't want to hear about how many cars you keyed. You go through a junkyard. Can you hit that light real quick, Tony? Let's see that junk. Other way. <laughs> so if you go to the junkyard, you get your keys, and you, you go across that car, you could have at it. No big deal, right? Are you going to get in any trouble for that? Why? Why would you get in trouble for, for scraping a car like that? Not much. So you and your friend go at it with your keys all you want. But you go to this car. That is one of the most expensive cars in the world. I forget how much it is. It's millions and millions and millions of dollars for that car right there. Now you take your keys, and even the slightest key along that is going to get you what? You think you get in trouble if you key that car even just a little bit? Why? Because of its worth, because of its value. And we sin against God who's infinite in holiness, justice, and righteousness. We deserve that punishment. Even the slightest scratch of something so valuable is going to cost you dearly. Now, you might say this, and here's what we do a lot of times. Well, my friend, my friend, I might have scratched it just a little bit, but my friend really went at it. That's The scratch he made was longer and deeper, and, and, and there's the degrees again. That doesn't erase the fact that you scratched that car and you deserve punishment. We have an infinite God, and we deserve infinite punishment in hell for one sin. You understand? That's what the wages of sin is, death. Now, you think you're pretty good. You don't, you're not like BTK. You're not, you're not like that other person. I'm pretty good. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to imagine yourself sitting in the room with the Lord Jesus Christ 
with a projector. I like thinking of the old projectors. If you're over 40, you probably remember, or 50, the projectors with the reel, you know, how they just play like that. That you are sitting with the Lord Jesus Christ in a room next to him, and then you have the commandments, the two tables of the commandments on the wall next to that. And I want you to imagine sitting next to him with that screen and projector with all the sins that you've committed to this point in your life. Just playing, just playing, just playing, just playing, just going on. Every thought, every word, every no matter how good you think you are, go ahead, think about some of the things you've done in your life and just going on and on. Every deed, every word, every lie, every lustful thought, every hateful word, everything, when you did that thing you shouldn't have done, on and on before the Lord. I'll go back to the other illustration. Imagine you having that key. Well, that the first time you keyed it was just a little bit. But as you go through that sin, just think, every sin, another scratch. Every sin, another scratch. Every sin, another scratch. Another one, and another one, and another one. You understand? What are you going to say to God? Psalm 130, verse 3 says this. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, if you should remember those sins, if you should recount those sins, who can stand? Can you? See, that's where the argument, hey, I've tried better. I'm doing the best I can. Why does God do this? Because we've sinned against an infinite, holy, righteous God. He's just giving you what you deserve. You know, it's not mean God trying to say, oh, I'm going to be mean and poor this... This is what I've earned because I have failed to honor you. I've failed to obey you. I've failed to love you. I've failed to acknowledge you. I sin against you openly. Here's what I do in my life. And then we wonder why? That your creator, the one who made you, the only reason that you're breathing, would say these things? Hmm. He's a holy God. Every mouth will be closed. No excuses. No rational, maybe for this one. Oh, God, but for that one I did it. No, 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 no justifications. The wages of sin is death. You've earned that payment. We all have. So he says death. So let's talk about death just for a moment as we close. Death, here he says, we need to read the rest of the verse. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. When he says eternal life, we need to understand that death that's spoken of here is juxtaposed against that. So um, it's, it's juxtaposed with, with uh, eternal life in there because death is used in different ways, in different senses. And it is used kind of in a broad sense here, but especially in one specific sense. So let's talk about that. I'll try to clear that up a little bit as we, as we close. So when he says the wages of sin is death, we can think about the implications of our sin and what that caught in relationship to death, right? So first of all, um, are we dead or alive spiritually before God? We're dead spiritually. So that's the first idea here. Sin, like I said earlier, sin not only leads to death, but it shows that we're already dead. Capiche? That's a big deal. Where our sin shows that we need a savior. Our sin shows that that. We need Christ. Our sin, show, sin shows that we're not good enough, right? That, that tells us right away these things. Ephesians 2, 1 to 3 tells us this. 
You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked. So you were alive in your sins. You were still a living person, but you were dead in your sins. You were just living a life apart from God, separated from God, doing your own thing, living your own way, not seeking to obey God, not caring what God said too much. In which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, that's Satan, the spirit that's not working, the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived. All of us were there. We've all been there. Nobody's better than anybody else. We've all been there. We all deserve death. We get grace by God from, from God. So amen to that. So it's not like, oh, you know, Christians are better and so on. No, no. We've all been there walking uh, dead in our sins and trespasses, <clears throat> among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even like the rest. So that's what we deserve. That's part of that payment. That part of that death is earning that wrath of God. That's one sense. Spiritually, we're dead. Isaiah 59, 2. Uh, but your iniquities have made made a separation between you and God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Your sins have separated you from God. That's that death, that spiritual death, not walking with God. Of course, physical death. Um, we already talked about this earlier in the message. Physical death is a consequence and a penalty of sin. Do you know that? The physical death is not natural. Every school you go to, you're going to grow up, oh, death is not, death is a part of life. Well, it is now, but it wasn't that way originally. Okay? It wasn't. Death was introduced from the outside. Death is a consequence of our sin. And also, it's a, it's a result of that sin. And it's, listen, it's also a reminder of our sin. So every time someone dies, so many people die every second of every day. Somebody's dying right now, right now, right now, right now. Thousands of people die. And that's a reminder of our sin, reminder of the consequence of sin, and consequently, our need for Jesus Christ. Amen? So think about that. That's why we mourn. That's why we're not happy. I mean, if we're Christians, obviously, at a funeral, we could rejoice in the Lord, but we're still sad. If one of you died here today, I would be crying. I'd be happy that you're with the Lord, but I'd be crying because I'm sad and we miss you and we mourn you because it's not the way it ought to be. It's not the way that it will be. It is the way that it is for now. That's why we mourn. That's why we weep. That's why we're afraid. People are afraid, even Christians. We're not really, really afraid, but initially we're afraid. But when it comes down to it, you're not going to be afraid if you're a true Christian. But we still have that fear of death, right? And people that don't have Christ, so many of them are afraid to die, just afraid. Um, uh, they seek to avoid it at all costs. I'm not saying we should run headlong into death, you know, but uh, people want to live forever, and that's what they're trying to do in that way. Death is a consequence. Physical death is a consequence of sin. Those two ideas are included here when he says the wages of sin is death. But the main one, and the one I want you to get more specifically, and this is a tough one. I mean, they're all tough, but this is the toughest because it's eternal death. It's eternal death separated from God in hell, feeling the consequences for your sin for all eternity. The Bible calls this the second death. Revelation 21, verse 18, and this should... This is for the unrepentant, for those who do not come to Christ. This is why we want to preach the gospel. This is why we pray for, for, for Christ to come into lives and change them. This is why we exhort. This is why we do what we do as Christians, because of this. 
But as for the cowardly, who are the cowardly? The faithless. I don't believe. I'm never going to believe. I don't want to believe. The faithless. The detestable. For the murderers, and these are just all the sins, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all the liars. Their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. The wages of sin is death. Revelation 20, this is the futility to it. There's a, such a futility. Uh, then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. There's such a, a finality to it, a futility to it, an eternality to it in that way. That's why we say, beloved, this isn't a game. We're not just up here playing as Christians. I'm not just, we, we don't preach it just, you know, to, for whatever effect. This is what it, this, this is real. These are the consequences. And we see it in the world. We see the way the world is. See how God's been removed out of our world and out of, just in our nation, just in our country. Look at the restraints gone. Look where we are. It doesn't get better. We're not getting better. It's getting worse and worse and worse in that way. And then Matthew 10, 28 says this, and don't fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. And see that weight, that heaviness? If you're a Christian and they take our lives, that's okay because we'll be in heaven with the Lord. That's all right. I'm not going to be afraid of you if you take my life because I fear God more, because I belong to him, because rather it says fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. That's unbelief. That's, a, that's the wages of sin is death. That's heavy. That's what, that's what he's, the wages of sin is death. This is frightening. This is the frightening reality for all those who have not come to Christ. The wages of sin is that so believe call upon the name of the lord while 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 it's today that, and that's a that's a true offer of the gospel if you if you confess with your mouth that jesus is the lord believe in your heart that god raised him from that you will be saved look to jesus christ turn to him repent believe on him because the wages of sin is death and it'd be really sad if this if this was it okay that's it. But praise be to God. The free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Praise be to God. It's not the end of the story. That there's more. That there's so much more. The gift of God. That is eternal life in Jesus Christ. But you're going to have to wait till next week to hear that one.